Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning we're starting our series on the year of invitation, and we're talking to you. This is our vision series for 2019. As we look ahead to see what God is going to do among us and in our community, and we're going to start together in this year of invitation looking at uh, a scripture in Romans chapter 10 together in just a short bit. There's more to invitation uh, than you expect, and we've been given a wonderful invitation by the Lord himself, and it's up to us if we are going to accept that invitation that he's provided for us. Uh, there's an invitation that you, uh, is there an invitation that you would never turn down for anything? Now everybody has different likes and different likes or dislikes, but uh, maybe there's an invitation. If somebody came up to you and said, we are inviting you to this, you would say, didn't matter what got in the way, you were going to go. Maybe, if you're a Ch- maybe you're a Chiefs fan like myself, and uh, you enjoyed the game yesterday, and we're hoping that we could go to the Super Bowl. So maybe if somebody invited you to go to the Super Bowl, you would say, yes, I will go no matter what. Now, we know, uh, I looked up online to see kind of what tickets are. If you want to get at the 50-yard line, it's uh, at least only $10,000. That's the official NFL price. Now, I'm sure they'll come down. Or you could go as low as $3,450. Or maybe when the time gets closer, the prices will go down a little bit. Maybe you could get one for a couple thousand. So, uh, I don't know that Atlanta is that wonderful this time of year, but anyway, if you like sports, that may be something that you wouldn't give up if somebody invited you. Uh, it may be that uh, your, your likes are, hey, somebody invites you to Carnegie Hall, and you want to go to Carnegie Hall, and, the, and you are going to listen to the Met Orchestra, and, the, and good seats there will cost you about $350 for that event here in January. And uh, maybe you would accept that, or maybe uh, they invite you to listen to a Lauren Daigle concert. And uh, she's coming up there at Carnegie Hall, and uh, if you want good seats for her concert, it is $841. Yeah, that's kind of what I said when I saw that price. For you, you may be something like me, and you say, I'd rather somebody just invite me to go get, take, get coffee at McDonald's down on the boulevard. That's good by me. Uh, there's so many different things. People have likes and different, different, uh, different tastes. But is there an invitation that you wouldn't turn down? Maybe it's an inauguration of a friend into a special office. Uh, and, or it could be a celebration of a family member who's lived for 100 years. And you wouldn't miss that for anything. The question is, is would you accept the RSVP? And RSVP comes from the French uh, phrase, répondez s'il vous plaît, which uh, simply means please respond, get back with us, and let us know if you're coming so we know how many places to set. (laughs) That's a little excessive. Anyway, that's what they're looking at. We need to be able to apply this in our lives in relation to God's invitation to us. So the question we have to start off with is, will you, receive, will you accept that RSVP by God? Let's look over into the scripture. Actually, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we see there 
There are going to be times in our lives where we'll receive different invitations, but we have to be able to respond to them one way or the other. And Jesus says this over in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus gave that invitation to those who will accept it. And you can find the rest for your soul and peace of mind when you come to him. After Jesus offered this peace and rest from their attempts to be accepted by God, uh, we, we find a man named Paul. We're all familiar with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He's quite the man. He was an Israelite himself. And uh, he, from childhood, he had learned about how he was supposed to live. And uh, his sense of security was previously based on his works and what he did and how, how he lived in that fashion. And so let's look at what he says to God's people about their works. Romans chapter 10, it's on the screen, verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. That should be our prayer. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Which is amazing that he would say that because they were the keepers of the Old Testament law. Verse 3, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Verse 4 says, though Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And that is our hope. God's invitation to you is all about making you righteous. The problem that we face is that God tells us that there is no one righteous, no, no one who does what is right and never sins. That comes out of Ecclesiastes for uh, chapter 7. And then the Apostle Paul also quotes that over in Romans chapter 3 verse 10. The only way that we can stand in God's presence is because since we have sinned is when He makes us righteous. It's a work that He does. It's a work that he does in our lives. He's the only one that can do that for us, for sure. We may not be the people of Israel, but we aren't much different than them. As Paul was talking about them in verse 3, they didn't know God's righteousness and tried to build on their own righteousness. They wouldn't accept God's way of living right. They, they didn't respond favor, favorably to God's RSVP. And it was that age-old story that I can live the way that works for me. And some people will say uh, in today's world, well, God and I have a, a thing going. We, we, are, we know what we're doing. And they, they will tend to use that. Most of the time that person is not accepting God's righteousness but their own. Uh, that they set up for themselves. It's that age-old can-do attitude when it comes to spiritual things. And, and people think they know about Jesus, so that's good enough. So what does it matter after that? But that person trusts in themselves and in their own righteousness. 
that our own righteousness is worthless in the presence of God. They're, they're th- they aren't thinking about the fact that there is no one righteous, no one who never sins. But for the Israelites, God, Paul shows us that they were trusting in their own ways too. And verse 3 says that since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So many people today trust in their own goodness uh, and they trust in their own righteousness. They think that since they do more good than bad that God automatically approves of them. And that's a mistake. It's a misunderstanding of what the scripture teaches. And, And God loves them. And he offers them an invitation. He offers each and every one of us that invitation. It's available for us. This invitation to follow Christ is a chief part of our vision at Topeka First. And we exist here as a a church because God invites us to follow him. He invites you and I to be able to follow him And here in verse 4, Paul says, I'll say it in my wording, the Old Testament law is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ to provide righteousness for everyone who believes in Christ. Now, what we're going to see in this passage here is he shows us two different kinds of righteousness, two different types of righteousness. And in uh, chapter 10, verse 5, he says this, He's writing and and he's quoting Moses in some sense out of Deuteronomy. And it says, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So we have a wonderful uh, uh, passage and a wonderful promise here as well. But there's two types of righteousness that he's talking about. And kind of bear with us that part of that passage is a little challenging there but the first type is righteousness by the law the path that Israel pursued was trying to gain righteousness for themselves simply by keeping the Old Testament law and this can't bring life because men and women are spiritually weak and imperfect it can only lead to self-deception and pride and that's what can happen in that part but you, you, you can try all you want to be righteous or in right standing with God. You can even attempt to follow the moral laws of God, but even then, that is not enough. That's the problem. That's the problem that we all face in humanity. And when we think that we can work our way to heaven by doing good now and then, we are simply mistaken. I'm sure that a few of you uh, here have taken the opportunity to do some a Black, Black Friday shopping last uh, season here around Christmas, before Christmas, and, and uh, I've been pulled into that in the past. <laughs> I think uh, not too long ago I made a vow I wasn't doing that anymore <laughs> because it's crazy. 
And so just imagine, uh, and some of you already are getting nervous, at least some of you guys. Uh, just imagine you're, you're going you're to go out, and you're going to go to one of these big old stores, and they give great things away. And so you go to the store, and you, you've bought, you know, your $10 tent that you're going to stay in. You're waiting there for 24 hours trying to wait for the store to open because you want to be at the front of the line. And they open the doors, you ditch the tent to the side, and you come into the, uh, the store, and they're on a pallet. Isn't that what they do? They put everything on pallets, and they're on the pallet, brand new computers stacked high. And it says right on, front, on the front of them, and has a sticker on each one that says free. You go over. You see that, you knew that, you looked, at, you looked at the paper before you ever went there, and you go over, you pick up one of those, and you slide that in your cart, if you have a cart, and then you buy a bunch of cookies or something like that, get a, a box of cookies, throw it in there, all you're really there for is that computer, so, but you feel guilty, you have to buy the cookies or something, and so you throw it in the cart, and you make it to the cashier, and as you get up to the cashier, you put the cookies and you put the computer on the, on the conveyor belt and she rings you up. And uh, so finally she looks at you and says, okay, that, that's going to be $3.99. And you look at her and say, wait, that's not right. Just wait a second. Now, I know that those cookies cost $3.99 and that's fine. But that computer, I know that the advertisement said that it is free. But... That's too good to be true. That can't be real. Can I just give you $100 that way at least? I feel like I haven't stole this thing. And some of you ladies right now are just looking at me just like, are you crazy? What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, you say that and she says, no, it's $3.99. So you pull out your debit card, you, you put it in that machine and you pay it. And then you like run out the door. Oh, look what I got. The problem with us sometimes is we just don't get the gospel. And that's part of what happened to Israel. It, if we work for it, we can brag about it. If we pay for it, we can brag about it. If we pay for the computer, we can say, hey, look what I bought. But if we get it free, usually what we have to say is, Hey, I got this from so-and-so, this company or that company. Now, you know, the thing didn't cost nothing, right? It either cost the manufacturer or it cost that retail store some money. Some, somebody had to pay the price. We need grace more than we need anything, and that grace comes through Christ, and we have to accept it like the free gift that it is. It doesn't mean it didn't cost the second type of righteousness that Paul is talking about here is righteousness by faith. And Paul makes use of another passage from Moses in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11 to 14. And here he, he describes the righteousness that is by faith. And at, at first sight, he, Paul's use of Deuteronomy seems, doesn't seem to be right since neither righteousness nor faith is there uh, but can be found there, but the context helps us because the passage expects a heart attitude of loving obedience to God instead of a legalistic attempt to earn righteousness. Deuteronomy is trying to discourage the idea that doing 
the doing of God's will, uh, will, will means to look for something that is too difficult uh, and out of reach. But the truth is that if a person is tuned into God, his or her will is as near as the mouth and the heart. But look at what Paul says about the person who receives righteousness through faith in Christ. Verse 6 again, he says, But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead? It seems a little difficult because of the wording, but, but let's check it out just a little bit here. Paul is applying his reference to heaven to emphasize certain things about the gospel. And you don't need to try to climb to heaven to gain spiritual knowledge or acceptance. Why? Because Jesus Christ came from heaven to proclaim and to provide salvation for the world. He came within reach of humanity. Birth. In verse 7, the Apostle Paul uses the words deep, the deep instead of the sea, and that Moses used, which makes the contrast with heaven even sharper. And, and, and this gives us the opportunity to, to think of Jesus as going down into death before his resurrection. Jesus seems to be lost by death, but he has been returned by resurrection by the power of God. So what does that really mean to us? Really, it means that it shouldn't be hard for us to understand God's work of righteousness. We had no part in bringing Christ down through, uh, through the birth, uh, through that uh, incarnation that took place that we celebrated recently. And we also had no part of raising Jesus up from death after his crucifixion on the cross. God has done it all for us. Jesus did it all for us. We did not have to do the work ourselves. Our part is simple. It's to believe. Our part is simple. It's to trust. And there's no place for our works to buy us righteousness. The saving message is really at hand, waiting to be received by faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we go on and live however we want to as a license for sin. We know that, we understand that, but what we do understand is what we receive is a gift of God. It is grace. We don't pay for it. We can't work from it for it. We also see what the Apostle Paul said over in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And he speaks of Jesus and he says, "...in him who knew no sin became sin." on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. What he died in our place so that we could be made righteous. It's not our own righteous, righteousness. It's not our own right standing. We can't do that. It's, God, it's the work of God. Where does your righteousness come from? Is it from rules or is it from faith? Is it from trust in Him? Secondly, we see that God's invitation is all about trust. It's all about faith and looking to Him. In Romans chapter 10, verse 11 to 13, it says this on the screen. It says, as, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. That is a powerful verse there, and I love that verse so much. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. 
The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul, he's even quoting the Old Testament prophet here out of Joel, Joel chapter 2 verse 32. God's invitation here to all of us is not about trust in ourselves or what we can do to become righteous. Because I'm sure that all of us have tried lots of things to become righteous before God, but it's about trust in Christ first and foremost and recognizing what he has done for us on the cross so that we can have a good relationship with God, not based on how we have lived, but based on what he has done for us. It doesn't mean it shouldn't bring transformation in our life, though. When I was young, when I was a child on the farm, my brother and I, we would go outside all the time, and uh, my dad owned several farms, and the one we lived on was 160 acres approximately, and so after school, we would, we would go meander around down by this, the creek and all that. We had uh, two creeks that merged uh, east of our house, and and it was kind of a cool area, and uh, at one point, my mom and dad had given my brother, who is older than me, a hatchet. Now, now you would say, what? Well, not, it wasn't a rubber hatchet. It had a real edge on the thing. The only thing rubber may have been on the handle, but uh, that was back in the day, right? And we had been around dad when he would cut trees and do that kind of stuff, so we had a little idea of what we were supposed to be doing, and and so after school, we'd go out with that and, and uh, maybe cut down, learn how to cut down for ourselves. I, I don't know if he just had a lot of trust in us or if he had no idea what we're doing. I'm not sure. And uh, so anyhow, we go out there and uh, after school, we decide that we're going to go down to this creek and start building a lean-to. That's just what we did. And so we went down there. We start cutting down some small trees and build this lean-to. And then as time goes by, we decided, you know, we've got a problem here because we have to either walk around the creek uh, to get to the little patch where we built the lean-to or we have to wade across. It was a little big to just jump across. And so we decided, hey, we're going to fix that real fast. And so we took the hatchet and I think we had an axe too, a double-headed axe that we found. And and we started cutting down an 8 to 10 inch tree and we cut that tree down, it fell and so we cut it up into short logs and we made a bridge. And I don't know if that was DOT approved or not, uh, but anyhow, <laughs> we made the bridge and then it enabled us to cross across the, uh, the creek so that we could get to the other side, you know, pack the ends in mud to keep it in its position and all that stuff. And, we solved our problem. I was the younger, of course, of the two, so I trusted in my older brother that he knew what he was doing. He didn't know any more than I did, probably, at this point in life. And so we cut him down, and uh, that was all good. But then there was a problem. We didn't expect that a storm was going to come. Now, this is Kansas, right? And sometimes we get rain. And when we do get rain, the creeks rise. And when the creeks rise... Something happens to logs. Well, logs float, and so by the time after we had this big storm, my brother and I came back to the area, and we found that the logs of our bridge had floated away. And so as sad as we were, tears in our eyes, I doubt it. 
But uh, we, we, there we are, and we find that uh, our bridge is gone. I trusted in my brother. I, I trusted in my own work. I trusted in the bridge that we had built with our own hands. But in the end, it all failed. We didn't account for the storm. And sometimes that's the way it is with us. We trust in our own ability to get to heaven someday, to have a relationship with God. As they say, uh, I'll work it out. And I have, I have an end with God. They aren't really accounting for the storms of this life, nor are they accounting for the holiness of God. So it comes down to this. It comes down to God. God's invitation is all about grace. Maybe that's his invitation there. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this. It says, for by grace are you, you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, see the facts remain here that the only way that we can be made righteous before God or in right standing before Him is through the work of Jesus on the cross. His death, his burial, his resurrection is what brought us close to God. And this is what, this is what grace is about, this gift of grace. It's God's unmerited favor. And as they used to say, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. You can try all you want to be good and to get favor with God. I've tried it myself and many of you have tried it yourselves. But that will never break the power of sin in your life. It takes the power of the gospel and the power of the shed blood of Christ on the cross. You have to come to the place that you accept God's invitation of grace. God's invitation of grace is powerful. You have to be willing to let someone else earn for you what, for what you cannot earn yourself. Jesus Christ, who's the perfect sacrifice, was the, one, was the only one who could earn righteousness for you. He was the only one that could do that. Only his work can bring you close to God. Your work will only make you tired and give you a false sense of spiritual security. Like we read over in Romans chapter 10, verse 3 there, he's in the beginning, it says, Since they did not know the righteousness of God and, and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. See, not, not everyone has accepted God's invitation. Not everybody has. But for those who are willing to accept it, Romans 10.4 says, says it all, really. Christ is the culmination of the law. So that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. For everyone who believes. It's not only the key part of our vision at Topeka First, but it's the foundation of our faith. It's something that we must never miss. Jesus Christ will provide righteousness for everyone who puts their faith in Him, who places their faith in the Lord. And really what happens, it brings us to this this morning as we look to the Lord. Have you turned your RSVP in? Have you turned in your RSVP to the Lord? Have you responded to His invitation? It may be that you're still working hard to prove that you're acceptable to God. 
all the time you know your weakness and sin gets in the way. doesn't matter if you're 80 or if you're 8 or if you're 18. It just doesn't matter on the age. What matters is, is that we recognize that invitation is given to us. And sometimes what happens is we get tripped up along the way and we started out right, as Paul talks about, and then we end up thinking, hey, you know what? I've lived this way for such a long time. I know what to do and I know how to live and things are good so I can kind of get there on my own merit. Doesn't work that way. We need to start out by faith in the Lord and His grace and we need to end up by faith in the Lord and His grace. You come to a place when you simply put your faith in Christ, choosing to follow Him and to follow His ways. Accept the fact that Jesus gave His life, that you can have eternal life, you can choose to follow Him even today. And accept His invitation, send back that RSVP and says, I believe, I accept what you have offered to me. If you've responded to the message in the past, and You've invited, have you invited others to partake in what you've received? Have you invited others to share in what has happened in your life because Christ has done something for you? God is going to give you open doors in the future. He probably already has, and many of you have encouraged others to come and accept what Christ has done for you. Jesus said this, so he said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you stand with me this morning? This morning, I want to pray for you, pray with you. Our prayer teams will come down shortly and and we will sing, uh, sing a last song together in worship before we're dismissed. And maybe you need, as I pray this morning, maybe you need to say these words in your prayer as we pray together. Lord, I accept your invitation. Jesus, I, I trust in your grace. Maybe you need to say those words in your heart this morning as we pray and as we seek the Lord together. That would be perfectly fine to say, Lord, here I am. I trust you, and I trust your grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your wonderful invitation that you have offered to us, that invitation of grace, that invitation of righteousness, not righteousness that, that we can make on our own, but that righteousness that you have provided for us through your son, Jesus. Father, we pray that you would just continue to work in our lives. Father, I pray for those this morning that are praying in their hearts and saying, God, here I am. I accept your invitation. I accept your offer. That is me. I accept that, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help them and sustain them and lift them up and give them strength as they look to you and recognize that that gift that you have given, they don't pay for, but they give thanks for and receive it by faith. Father, I pray that you would help the rest of us, Lord. Those who have been serving the Lord for a while, Father, may we not go back to thinking that we're going to gain our salvation somehow by the good works that we have done, maybe by teaching a class or 
by helping others, this or that. And those are good things, and that's what we do out of thankfulness. But Father God, we know our salvation doesn't come from that. Father, we trust you this morning. And we ask you, Lord, to let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name.